Good morning. Who is happy to be in the house this morning? I know I am. We are doing a standalone message this morning called, What is the Deal with Israel? Um, The birth of this message has come after recent events that have happened in Israel about a month ago. The eyes of the world are on Israel and Palestine right now. There's countless significant global events that are happening around the world right now in relation to Israel. And as believers, the reason we're taking this morning, um, the whole morning to talk about Israel, because now more than ever as believers, we have to have an understanding on the answer to this question. What is the deal with Israel? Israel. And this morning is going to have a different vibe, all right? Prayers for me that I don't geek out because there's so much content and the topic of Israel is one that I have personal high interest in studying in outside of normal, you know, whatever we're studying for Sunday morning messages. But um, this morning is going to be unapologetically educational with a capital E. It's going to be informative. It's going to be informational. It's going to have like a history class slash Bible class vibe in here. Okay, guys? Like we're going through 12 different maps just to give you a heads up. Okay? So if this is your first visit, the vibe of the message this morning is unique. It's not normally so um, teacher-like. So I'm putting on my teacher hat. We're going to class. You guys ready to learn? It's going to be good. And, and really, prayer, our prayer is, is, is informative. Because with everything that's going on right now in Israel, in Palestine, it's all about two people groups that believe a certain plot of land the size of New Jersey is theirs. It's what it all dates back to. And so we need to have information. We need to know. And we're getting messages from various different sites and news. Everyone has a different opinion on what's happening. As believers, our Bible has a lot to say about Israel. And so as believers, we need to have a historical understanding as well as a biblical understanding about what is the deal with Israel. We're going to dive into all of this in just a minute, but first I want to catch you guys up. This morning, Sunday, November 5th, 2025, a month ago, October 7th, 2000, did I say 25? It is Sunday, November 5th, 2023, but a month ago, October 7th, 2023. Many of us know this, but in case you've been living under a rock for the last month, 3,000 members of Hamas a terrorist organization that the Palestinians voted to be the leaders of their territory, led a surprise murder attack on Israel. Hamas broke in from Gaza into Israel from 23 different um, breaches in the security wall and led the most demonic, horrific massacre of Israeli citizens. On that day, 1,400 Israel citizens and other nationals who were there at the music festival um, were murdered, mutilated, beheaded, dismembered, raped, tortured, and burned. It was a complete surprise attack in the most evil crimes against humanity. On that day, October 7th, 2023, Hamas also captured, abducted 241 people from Israel, 
many including women and children, the elderly and mentally disabled individuals. And one month later today, those hostages still lay in the belly of Gaza. Washington Institute for Near East Policy recently wrote an article where they compared 9-11 um, in America to October 7th in Israel. And, and the article was titled, Why 9-7 was worse for Israel than 9, or why 10-7 was worse for Israel than 9-11 for America. Shared numerous things. I just want to share three this morning just as we understand the significance of what's happening in Israel right now. The first is the impact on population. Um, October 7th, based on the population of Israel versus America, would be the equivalent of an attack on America, a terrorist attack on America that would kill 40,000, 13 times more than what happened on 9-11 20 years ago. Another difference between the two was the in individual barbarity. 9-11 was a mass killing of, of thousands, you know, over 2,000 people, but it was through one act, right? Planes crashing into buildings. October 7th in Israel was different where individual predators penetrated individual homes and faced face-to-face -face combat in the most brutal, demonic ways. Most of these were also videotaped live, broadcasted, and so we have the images and the audio that will forever torment people. Then there's the hostage portion also. 9-11 didn't have any hostages. And the century-old Arab-Israeli conflict never before until now has one side taken this many hostages across the border. Again, including women, children, elderly, and the mentally ill. So just like we, America, went to war on terrorism in 2001, Israel is now going to war on terrorism in 2023. But the interesting thing about Israel is that there are borders with the terrorists. And so now Israel is not only being attacked from Gaza in the south, but they're being attacked on five fronts. Hezbollah, the terrorist organization funded by Iran that's based in Lebanon, is attacking from the north. West Bank Palestinians are attacking from the east. Syrian militants that are backed by Iran are attacking from the east. And now Ye Yemen, which is a country not even bordering Israel, is attacking them from the south. And so now November 5th, 2023, a month later, the eyes of the world are on Israel and Palestine, and it's beginning to expand to the beginnings of a world war. Right now, there are more than 50 warships from 11 countries in the Mediterranean Sea and in the Red Sea. There has not been that many warships in those areas since 1945. In a matter of a week, Israel recruited 300,000 reserve soldiers to be prepared to start the ground operation that they've been doing in Hamas now for the last couple of weeks. There are 40,000 Hamas terrorists still in the country, in the tunnel system underneath the country. Most of them, the headquarters of the tunnel systems, are under the major hospital in Gaza City, as well as underneath schools and mosques and, and playgrounds and, and places that put their people in danger. There are pro-Palestinian and free Palestinian demonstrations and riots all over the world, shutting down train stations and airports, rioting in front of most major European um, 
administration buildings for governments, chanting free Palestine from the river to the um, sea. Palestine wants all of the land and Israel wants all of the land. These riots are calling for ceasefires and increased humanitarian aid. There's anti-Jew crimes on the rise in countless countries. Headlines say that Israel is committing crimes against humanity. There's calls for more fuel to Gaza. Um, but just this week, Israel and the U.S. said that there will be no ceasefire until the hostages are released. And so here we are, all nations of the earth converging on a land equivalent to the size of New Jersey. And so that is why this morning we are asking the question, what is the deal with Israel? Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here in our midst. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the great teacher and the great guide. And so, Lord, our hearts are open to what you have to say about this nation of Israel. Lord, give us discernment, give us wisdom, give us your heart and your eyes on this topic. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for most of this morning, we're going to be talking about answering the question of what is the history of the land? Maybe you've done some Google searches since everything has happened to try to understand for yourself what is the history of the land. And it's not easy to do in just one quick Wikipedia thing. The history of the land is immense. And so we're going to take quite a bit of time this morning to understand from the creation of the world until now, what has been the history of the land? Because the Palestinians are saying it's their land. The Israelites are saying it's their land. What is the history of the land? Okay, we're going to history class now. You guys ready? So before we talk about what the Bible says, let's just talk about historically, are there any artifacts that talk about a nation of Israel or a nation of Palestine in the land? Go ahead and show this slide. Um, and there is, from the Iron Age, around 1200 BC, there's four different artifacts that that describe a nation of Israel in the location of Israel at the same biblical time that we see events happening in the nation of Israel. This one that you see on the screen is the Mernita steel. It's an Egyptian um, inscription by a pharaoh, Pharaoh Merneptah, I had to look that up, Merneptah, and he's writing about the nation. The nation of Israel is mentioned in his writing. So this is one. It dates back to 1200, 1200 BC. It's one of four other ones that say the same thing. What about Palestine? When's the first reference to the term Palestine associated with the land? The first artifact or um, historical data is 300, or 1300 years later in 135 AD when the Roman Empire took over the land. We know that Jesus, when Jesus was born, there was the nation of Israel, there was the temple and all of that, but they were under Roman rule, right? So during the Roman Empire, the Romans started to call the, the area of Israel um, Syria, Palestina. Why did they do that? Because the Romans knew that Israel's greatest opponent was the Philistines, right? David and Goliath, Philistines. The Philistines were always attacking Israel. So they named the area Syria of Palestinia, referring to the southern part of the Syrian 
um, area, they named it that as a jest, as a mock towards the Israelites to name their land against their enemy. So that's where the name Palestine came from. It wasn't a nation of Palestine. It was a territory. It was what they named the territory in the Roman Empire. Are you guys tracking? So that's historical stuff. Okay, let's talk about the Bible. What does the Bible say about the occupants of this land? I'm going to show you guys a chart. We're going way back. The world was created in 4000 B.C., then there was the flood in 2340 B.C. After the flood, creation restarted, right? Then a couple hundred years later in 2100 B.C., the land of Canaan was nomadic. There was no, like, city. It was a bunch, it was the Canaanites, which is an umbrella for a variety of tribes and families that lived in tents nomadically in the land of Canaan. And it's at that point that God comes to Abram. Later, he changed his name to Abraham and said, hey, I want you to go to a land that I'm calling you. It's the land of Israel. So then we know Abraham went. We know um, God changed Jacob's name to Israel in 1900 BC, and they're, they're living in the land of Israel, right? Then the famine came, they went to Egypt, they were there as slaves, God brought them out, and they, Joshua and the Israelites returned and reclaimed the land. Then from 1350 until 586 BC, there was a formal nation with judges and with kings until the Babylonian captivity, which started in 1586, where the Babylonians came in and, and dwelt in most, almost all of the Jews were taken to Babylon, right? And then we know that they came back. All right, that's a quick snapshot of biblically what's the history of the land. Now it's time for map time. I don't know about you, but maps and timelines help me. You guys ready to see 12 maps? We're going to go through it as quickly as we can, but it helps to just see a visual. All right, so show the Abraham slide. All right, so God called Abraham from the land of Ur. This shows his path. It shows the developments of the countries, and he brought him to the land of Canaan. Canaan, again, was nomadic tribes. No one was living there except the Canaanites, which was multiple different tribes and families. We see this in Scripture in Genesis 12, 1 through 2, and then again 5 through 7. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, and God says, to a land that I'm going to show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and in all the families of the earth will be blessed, um, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land, through the pl place of Shemchem, and as far as the Terebinth tree and Moriah, and the Canaanites were in the land. So we know the Canaanites were there before Abraham got there. They didn't have a nation there. It was open land that multiple different families and tribes were living there. And God said, this is actually your land now, Abraham. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and, and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Okay, so then he gets there, and go ahead and show this next map, and I'll show you the scripture that corresponds with it in a minute. So once he gets there, God tells him specifically what land he's promising to Abraham's descendant under the covenant. This is actually the land that was promised to Abraham's descendants. And if you're quick, you're recognizing this is a lot bigger than modern-day Israel. This is encompassing Jordan and parts of Egypt and parts of Syria and Iraq and even a little bit of the northern part of Saudi Arabia. 
So this is what God, this is the covenant that God made with Abraham for this land to be Israel's. And Israel has never had a nation that occupies all of this land. And so a whole other conversation for another day. Most Bible scholars believe that when Jesus comes back for the millennial reign, it will be, this area will be Israel. Where does it say this in scripture? Genesis 15, 18 through 21. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant or a promise, a pledge with with Abraham. There was an animal sacrifice, both halves of the animal on either side. God walked through and said, on, on my blood, I'm, I'm promising this land, right? I'm promising this lineage of your family. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram and saying, your descent, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river in Egypt, the Nile, to the great river Euphrates. It's the land that all these different tribes live in that are listed later on in the scripture. And it's disputable how far south that goes. And so there's different variations of the map I just showed you. Are you guys tracking? Okay, so then what happens? And we're going to go through these slides a little bit quicker. So then, go and show this next slide, 1700 BC. This is um, the biblical bounds of Canaan that was settled by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then to the next slide, 931 BC. This is when Israel was divided into two nations, the kingdom of Israel on the north uh, Judah on the south, ruled by the Davidic kings in Jerusalem as its capital. Um, and then it's shortly after this that the, all the empires come through. So the next 60 BC, we see this is a picture of the Roman Empire. This is what it looked like in the time of Jesus, right? And this is when you can see Israel, you can see the kingdom still there, but it's over Roman rule. And we understand that more because of how we know Jesus lived, right? This is when that territory was given the name Palestine, not because it was a Palestinian nation, because that's just what they called that territory underneath the Roman Empire. Next, you go to the next slide, 634 AD. This is when the Arabs took over through a series of conquests. This is when the Arabs came to the land, um, which is modern-day um, Palestinians, which we'll talk about more in a minute here. Um, and this is when, you know, in those other maps, there was the first temple, and then there was the second temple. The second temple was destroyed um, shortly after Jesus lived. And then it's during this era that the Dome of the Rock was built on top of the ruins of the second temple. This is when Jerusalem became a holy city for um, Jews, Christians, and Muslims. And so you see this, and, and it's during this time that the Jews start to be scattered all over. There's still Jews in the land, but there's also a high percentage of Arabs in the land. And Arabs are ruling in the various different um, empires. And so Jews are all over, and we see God prophesy that that would happen. Over and over, God's people were fruit loopy, and they'd love him and serve him, and then they wouldn't. And God said numerous times that... Because of your rebellion, because you're not seeking me first, you are going to be dispersed across the nations. It's multiple times in the Old Testament. I'll show you one. Deuteronomy 4.27, And the Lord will scatter you among the people, and you will be left few in number among the nations, where the Lord will drive you. And so it's at the start of this that, that the Jews are all over the world because they're being tormented in their own land, and there's all these new empires coming in. Then you get to 1517 AD, 
the Ottoman Empire, Palestine remains under Islamic control. Then there's the Crusades that come in, um, and Jews are scattered even more after that. But it's during this time that there starts to become more of a Zionistic um, desire to establish, reestablish the Jewish homeland in the land. Then you go to the next slide, 1918. This is post-World War I, and this is when... Um, Britain and France split up the land that is used. Britain was in charge of the area of Palestine. You see a part of that land was international zone. And the tensions between the Jews and the Arabs are rising during this time. Then you see the next slide, post-World War II. Are you guys learning something? I'm not losing you. All right, we're almost done. And there was more. I could have added more. I tried to simplify it. Um, Post-World War II, so during the Holocaust, many Jews came back and, and continued to come back to the land. It's at this point that um, Britain said, I'm out, y'all are crazy, figure it out on your own, handed over the decision-making to the UN. Many of you guys know this, the UN um, proposed a two-state solution in 1947, where the Jewish state was going to have 56.5% um, of the land, and the Arabs were going to have the rest of it. The Jews agreed to it, the, and the Arabs said, no, we want all of the land, and so nothing happened. And because Britain pulled out, and the Arabs didn't agree to the two-state proposal by the UN, you see the next slide, 1948, when um, Israel officially becomes a nation. Um, and it's the only nation, it's the only country in the world that is only Jewish. Um, the Arabs refer to this moment in time as the great catastrophe when they, they lost control of the land. Um, it was a day of great rejoicing for the Jews because what was promised of God had happened. We see that in Ezekiel 38, 8, where God's you know, for many years was saying that you're going to be scattered all throughout the lands, but in Ezekiel prophesied through the word of the Lord that eventually I'm going to bring you back to the land. And you see that in Ezekiel 38, 8, in the latter years, towards the end of time, you will come talking to the people of Israel. You're going to come into the land of those brought back by the sword, and you'll be gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had been long desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. And so then starting in 1948 and onward, Jews from all over the world started to immigrate back to Israel. A couple more slides. 1967, we see tensions remain high um, after the Arab-Israeli war. You see some border shifting. Then the next slide, 1967, Israel post the Six-Day War. Israel captured and occupied the land from Syria, West Bank, and Jordan in the Gaza Strip. And then the next slide, Israel 2023. You can see all the different keys of which areas are governed by Israel and which ones are shared and Palestinian governed and all of that. All right, we got the history down. So next I just want to ask or address the question. We, we know from the Bible the history of where the Israel people came, the Israelites, the Jews, right? So what is the history of the Palestinian people? I want to talk about that for a minute. All right, remember the name Palestine came 1,300 years after God called Abraham to the land. And it wasn't because there was a Palestinian nation. It was because the Romans called that land Syria-Palestina, and it was a mock because of 
the Philistines. And so the Philistines, who were the Philistines? The Philistines were Greek sea people from the island of Crete. That around the time of Abraham, they came over and tried to attack Egypt. And Egypt beat them and said, hey, you go to this Gaza area. And so the Philistines were Greek people from Crete primarily. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see the Philistines bumping heads with the Israelites. Well, there is no, and so the name Palestine comes from the, the Philistine people, but after the Babylonian um, empire, there is no historic record of the Philistines. They were wiped away. So modern day Palestinians are not, um, do not have a heritage with the Philistines. They're not Greek. Modern-day Palestinians are Arabs. And, um, <clears throat> and where, how, how did that happen, and where did the Arabs come from? And this is where the plot thickens. Arab Palestinians trace their lineage to Ishmael, the son of Abraham, via Hagar, his Egyptian maidservant. The Jews trace their lineage to Isaac, the son of Abraham, via his wife, Sarah. You guys tracking? So the battle between Israel and Palestine and the land really is an age-old brotherly rival. No, this is my land. No, it's your land, right? And this is where it's important for us to understand as believers what is the deal with Israel because we build our life on the word, right? And didn't God promise to Abraham's descendants the land? And both Ishmael and both Isaac are Abraham's descendants. So what does that mean? Does the word clarify it at all whose land it is? And there are some clarifications in the word. Let's check out Genesis 17, 19 through 22. Then God said, No, Sarah, then God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you, and behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful. And I will multiply him exceedingly, and he shall beget 12 princes, which even become princes of the Arab nations, <clears throat> and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant, God says, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear you at a set time next year. <clears throat> and he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So based on what God said, the land and the covenant promise belong to Isaac and Isaac's descendants the Jews. Can I just do a hard pause here and acknowledge that these are hard words in light of the modern conflict? This is not politically correct. This is not easy. This is definitely not popular. This might even make you mad. But this is what God said and as believers who are trying to understand what in the world is happening with Israel, we have to decide what do we do with this. So Isaac and his descendants dwelt in the land. Isaac had a son named Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And the lineage of Jesus is through Jacob and his descendants. And we are the spiritual lineage of Jesus engrafted into the family, our spiritual family of Israel. So what happened to Ishmael? 
Scripture tells us that Abraham tearfully took Ishmael and his mother Hagar out of the land and placed them in the desert. They were not part of the promise. They were not welcome. And Muslim tradition claims that Ishmael, side note, Ishmael was born out of strife. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I've got plans for you through your family. Everyone will be blessed. But Abraham and Sarah got up in age and no baby was coming. And so Abraham took matters into his own hand and slept with Hagar. Um, instead of trusting the fulfillment through his wife. And so, um, so Muslim tradition claims that Ishmael set up camp in Mecca. And that's where the Arab family started. So this is interesting because when Hagar was pregnant with Ishmael, an angel of the Lord appeared to tell her some things about her soon-to-be-born son, which side note means if you're pregnant, if you plan to be pregnant, God can tell you things about your soon-to-be child while they're still in your womb. But this is what the angel of the Lord said to Hagar about Ishmael in Genesis 16, 11 through 12. And the angel of the Lord continued, See now you are with child and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears, because the Lord has heard and has paid attention to your affliction. So interesting. God is so merciful even when this child was born out of a lack of faith. He still blesses Ishmael's descendants. Verse 12, and he, Ishmael, will be as a wild ass among men. And his hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he will live to the east where he did live and on the borders of all of his kinsmen, which he does live on the border of all of his kinsmen. Can I say gently that God is not a political God? He's a loving father that wants relationship with his people. And so you might still be asking your questions. I still don't get it. What is the deal with Israel? The deal with Israel is that it's God's pathway. It's God's chosen pathway. It's God's chosen family for Jesus to come out of. God chose, God needed a family God needed a nation who would seek after him and know him and have relationship with him, that he could birth his Savior out of that family so that, like he promised Abraham, all of the families of earth would be blessed through. That's in, that's in direct, that's talking about Jesus. So God's plan for Israel isn't even so much about the land. The land is part of the covenant, but that's not the main thing. God's plan for Israel is about Jesus. When God called Abraham, he told him he would make him a great nation. The families of earth would be blessed through this nation. He's speaking about Jesus. Jesus came out of the family of Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God needed a nation that would follow him, that, would, that he could send his son through. So Israel is not so much about Israel, but it's about Jesus. Are we all doing good? Jesus came from Jerusalem, and he's coming back to Jerusalem. And all of this hatred towards Israel and the Jews is really not political or a military thing. It is a spiritual thing. Israel is the only nation on earth that God called, that God formed. And Israel is not perfect. Um, but we know that God told 
God told the nation of Israel through Jesus, everyone's going to hate you because of me. We see that in Matthew 10, 22. Jesus says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. This does not mean that Israel can do whatever it wants. This does not mean that Israel is perfect. But I do want to advise you as we take a look at scripture and we consider God's vantage point on Israel. I think we need to be wise in the coming weeks, in the coming months, in the coming years, the hatred and the disdain towards Israel is only going to continue to increase. And we have to be careful of what media we are allowing into our eyes, our ears, our heart. Because depending on what news channel you're watching, it could change how you're interpreting the situation. For example, there was a couple, a week ago or so, there, maybe it was two weeks ago, there was a hospital that was bombed. And for 10 days, certain news channels were saying it was Israel that attacked that hospital. But if you're following other news channels, you knew from day one that it was a Hamas rocket that went wrong and killed its own people. So you for 10 days could be watching the wrong channel and none of the channels. I don't watch any of the channels, just so you know. I follow a guy on Telegram that's in Israel. <laughs> so I don't trust any of the channels, FYI. Um, so in the recent attack or a bomb that happened at the ambulance, certain news agencies are blowing that up, but then you get to the facts and you realize, oh, it was just Hamas undercover in an ambulance. And so, yeah, they hit the terrorists that we're hiding in an ambulance. So we need to be careful to guard our heart against hatred towards Israel because already it's not popular to support Israel and it's going to become even more unpopular um, to have any kinds of kind thoughts towards Israel. We said that we would talk about the future of Israel and I don't have time to talk about it a ton. I'm going to mention a couple of things. Two years ago, we did a two-week series called What Time Is It? If you want more details on all the nitty-gritty on what's going to happen in the future, look up what time it is, what time is it at Life Family Church, and you can check out those two messages. And maybe in the future, we'll do another standalone about the future of Israel. But I want to say a couple of things of what is the future of Israel. We know a couple of things very clearly from Scripture. Number one, the hatred towards Israel is only going to increase. Number two, we know based on Ezekiel 38 that there is coming a time when Russia, Iran, and Turkey that are already in alliance, even more so since the last time we talked about this, there's a coming war when Russia, Iran, and Turkey will attack Israel from the north. It's called the War of Gog and Magog. And, um, and God will miraculously protect Israel during that war. We know from scripture that Israel or that America will continue to support Israel. But it appears that during the Ezekiel 38 war, the war of Gog and Magog, it appears that although America is in support of Israel, it appears as if they are not able to help practically Israel. Scripture says that there's going to be a big earthquake in Israel around that time. There's going to be the third temple that gets rebuilt. And we know that around all of this time, Jesus promises to come back and rapture his church. Just like he protected Noah and his family from the flood, God will protect his people from the coming tribulation. 
will be raptured up to heaven with Jesus. There'll be a seven-year tribulation. And after those seven years, we will come down with Jesus as he is installed in Jerusalem as the president, CEO, ultimate ruler of earth. And from Jerusalem, he will lead the nations. So what should our posture towards Israel be? I'll close with this scripture, Psalm 122, 6 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be with you. Because of the house of, because of the, house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So what's our posture towards Israel? As believers, we have to have a posture towards Israel where we pray for Israel, we pray for their peace. We have to love Israel even the way that God loves Israel, even in the midst of their imperfections. We need to support Israel. We need to seek Israel's good. Can we pray, church? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that you are a man of your word. We can trust thousands-year-old record. You said you would displace the Israelites all over the nations, and you did. You said that you would bring them all back together and dwell safely in the land, and you did. And God, we know the things that you say are coming forward. And Lord, there's all kinds of things in our world. There's all kinds of politics and he said, she said, and who's right and who's wrong and practically what does this all look like? Lord, we know that you love all people. You care for all people. But we know that Israel is the apple of your eye. And so Lord, regardless of all the practicalities of what it all looks like, Lord, we choose to pray for Israel. We choose to love Israel like you do. We choose to support and to seek Israel's good. Father, we thank you that you speak to us all individually with maybe individual questions that we have about all the practicalities of this. But Lord, we trust your word. Your word says that you gave this land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. And so Lord, we trust you. We trust your word. And God, we pray for the peace of Israel. And Jesus, you are the peace of Israel. And so, Lord, study our hearts, and Lord, help us be a light for you as we see these scriptures that are coming to pass, our latter-day scriptures. Lord, help it encourage us to be more active in being a light and being love and manifestation to those around us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the peace of Jerusalem. God, we thank you for peace within their walls, prosperity within their palaces. God, we say peace be within you, Israel, and Jerusalem, and we seek their good. Jesus.